this is AI Harrison Ford, and don't forget, the guys have a Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash the 90s, repeated for exclusive recordings, behind the scenes, nonsense, and more. Every major movie of the 90s, in chronological order, rewatched and dissected. Sick references, trivia bombs. Listen as they try to not get canceled. It's the 90s, repeated. Hello and welcome to the 90s Repeated, the movie podcast where we revisit the best films of the 90s from the very beginning with me, Dave, and Jim. Hello. And returning from his leave of absence, Fish. I'm back, baby. I'm back. We're all back. The boys are back in town. This week it's July 1990 and we're repeating the Harrison Ford courtroom thriller Presumed Innocent with John McClane's wife and the original Gomez Adams, Raul Julia. Cue the trailer. It's gonna be so good. Bosh. I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure that's the same trailer music they used for the ghost trailer. (laughs) Really? Mm. I'm almost 100% positive that that's the same tune. From your house to hers that night. This is absurd. Go ahead, play cool. Molly? Molly, you in danger, girl. That's some gossip. Indeed, you will go to try. You're still in love with her. Okay, um, in true the 90s repeated uh, fashion, and now that uh, Fish is back with us, it is Jim 7, Fish 6 on the music round. We on the music round, I've forgotten about the music round. It's all coming back. Bring it on. Um, so I'm going to ask that you both close your eyes because of the screen sharing okay. platform. Um, now this song, I'd never heard, um, but it's a classic. I really love the music video, so if you get the chance, uh, Google this one. Now... With also with this song is the first line of the song is the song's title, so you have ten seconds to try <laughs> and guess this. And away we go. Beautiful South, you keep it all in. No, it's got the right band, wrong song oh, title. Oh, oh, go on. I need a little time, a little oh, time. Oh, uh, he's got it, he's got it, he's got it. it. He's done it, he's drawn it. Seven seven. <sighs> Pretty fucking Have you guys sweet. it's a really awesome music video. Have you guys seen it? I'd never even heard this song. Lots of tracking shots. Look at all this. <laughs> I think that might have been peak Beautiful South a little time. I've maybe Rotterdam was peak Beautiful South, actually. Rotterdam, or, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Or the perfect 10. I don't know. This video is very confusing. Why Why are they covered in white paint? It's flower. They've had a domestic. Oh, okay. Yeah, they've had okay. a domestic fight, Jim. Crikey. Right, okay, enough of that. Crazy times. Enough <laughs> of that wetness. Enough of that shit. What did you know about this film? Actually, you know what? Before we start talk, talking about that, um, I just want to say for anyone listening, if you haven't seen Presumed Innocent, go watch it. Just go watch it because yeah. the joy of the film is it's very twisty turny. It's got a, it's, you know, I don't want to say too much about it, but there's no joy to be had here once you know what's going on in the movie. So you, any joy that you're going to get from this movie is going to be robbed by this conversation if you've not seen it. Yeah. To summarise that, 
Spoilers. Spoilers, yeah, absolutely. Spoilers. Spoilers for Presumed Innocent. It's a really, I think, a really great little Harrison Ford movie um, that's worth your time. Now, the other guys might disagree. Actually, should we say if you agree or disagree first, Jim? Yes, it is. I think okay, absolutely worth go. watching. So, yeah, Brilliant. if you haven't seen it, go and watch it Brilliant. first before you listen to us talk about it. Cause... And actually, we, we almost weren't going to do this, if I remember rightly. Uh, I can't we remember gonna do this movie. Pod- no. Yeah, which podcast it was. You... Uh, Dave <laughs> insisted that we weren't going to do it unless we got. Uh, was it just two people asking? I think us I said to do three. It? I think I said I need. I need. I think I said just one because it's yeah. you know it's sometimes it's even though we look at the stats and we see that people listen, it's it's hard to imagine that people do listen to this podcast. <laughs> um, but people did. People That's did the listen. Confidence and they did say, you need, Dave. That's the stuff. <laughs> self-belief they said go do presume innocent so so we we did presumed innocent people people's messages saying do it do it so we're doing it here we are yeah okay so i, I will let you guys speak um <laughs> the reason i didn't think that we should do presumed innocent is because it's a slow movie and it's not a big bombastic film it's uh it's a throwback to kind of a 70s character film um which is why i didn't think it would get lots of views i don't think people would be interested but here you are. You're listening. Thanks so for listening. What? Yeah. So, so, what did you know about the film, Jim Fish? Before we went in, anything? Absolutely nothing. Had no experience with this film at all. Fish, nothing at all. Uh, never seen it. Obviously, I heard of it because it's in Harrison Ford's. Oh yeah, well it's in Harrison. Oh, IMDb it, profile. It, well, it's his filmography, isn't it? And I think everyone basically yeah. knows most films that Harrison Ford's done. Post. I don't know if they know this one. Indiana Jones or Star Wars, I guess. Um. But I'd heard of it, but never, ever seen it. I think one thing that put me off ever watching this movie is uh, the title, right? So okay. it's, I'm still confused by that. It's got one of those titles. Well, the title of Presumed Innocent is that whole uh, you know, law thing, isn't it? That anybody is innocent until proven guilty. So Presumed Innocent is Presumed Innocent. You are always presumed innocent until you're pr- proven guilty, right? Oh, okay. But yeah, just yeah. that like double word title, and they they usually are like sort of legal terms. But I wrote a few down because yeah. these titles just really annoy me most of the time, right? So you've got presumed. Brilliant. Okay, I'll see if I can chip in. Go on. Okay. Double jeopardy. I got, are these real? Films? These are real film titles. Yeah. Real films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About, yeah. about law. Go on. Not necessarily about law. Most of them are, but yeah, we've got go on class action. Class action's a good indecent one. proposal. That's a good one. Executive decision. Yeah. Extraordinary Mm -hmm. measures. Also starring Harrison Ford, by the way. Um, So, yeah, these titles just annoy me, and I don't know why. I have a few others. Ready? Wait. Go on. The the Pelican Brief. Now, now, see, that doesn't count. It's got a the. It's got a the in front of it. I'm talking about Team America World Police. Again, that's got more than two words. Crocodile (laughs) Dundee. Oh, sorry. I I misunderstood the game. (laughs) These are just the names of other films. Yeah. Right. Okay. Sorry. Well, yeah. If anybody else can think of any more, I'd I'd be fascinated to know. There's the the porno one, isn't there? The porno low films. Illegal briefs. (laughs) (laughs) Illegal briefs. Yeah. (laughs) That was on the shelf next to Nuns on the Run. That's how he knows that one. Yeah. Still got it. (laughs) When he was... (laughs) <laughs> right um um so my experience with the film so i went through a phase of just uh, watching every harrison ford movie um because I, I with a couple of actors that i like i did that so harrison ford val kilmer these are actors that i saw every single one of the movies that they did and harrison ford went through a little phase in the late 80s early 90s of really trying to win an oscar oh. in my opinion um so he did he did frantic he did the mosquito coast 
Um, and then he did, um, which is all of these movies are, fan, are fantastic, particularly The Mosquito Coast, which I think it was the one he was robbed of an Oscar for. And then uh, he did Regarding Henry, uh, which was the real, real Oscar grab. And then he called it a day and said, I'm not doing this. I'm not playing this game anymore. Did, it, did he never get an Oscar? Harrison? Still to this he day. Did not. Yeah. Oh, that must nope. be gutting. All the all the shit hot films that he's done. Yeah, but you don't it's think mad. of him as a as an actor that um, wants an Oscar. Do you know what I mean? Like, or would go for an Oscar. But he really did at one point, and he is actually a really really good actor. And I think he's I think he's actually underrated as an actor. Yeah, which is kind of one of the reasons I wanted to do this film. But yeah, okay. So um, we all watched the movie. What did we think, Fish? What did you think of Presumed Innocent? Well, when I, going into it, again, it's one of them that I wasn't really looking forward to it because it's like, oh, mm. you know, tedious, you know, low thriller, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think for the first 20 minutes, I was, I still had that opinion, the sort of bitterness going in. But after that, it all washed away and I sort of got sucked into it. Um, and I really enjoyed it, I think, from um, pretty much from start to finish, mm. not including the first 20 minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we can talk about it later. The sort of twist, if you can call it a twist, maybe. I, I have some opinions on that. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, well, really this movie it. is all about the last twenty minutes. But let's see what Jim thought first. So I really enjoyed it. I mean, uh, this, uh, earlier, Dave, you said that you know it's a bit slow. I I didn't find it that way. I thought it was quite gripping from the start, and it sort of plays out quite nicely. I thought. Um, because you told me not to read anything about this movie before I watched it, I, mm -hmm. I didn't. I didn't even read a synopsis or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and mm -hmm. I was expecting yeah. a more action-driven film. Not action, but, you know, a bit more like The, I, the Fugitive I I or, was. you know, something yes, where exactly. Harrison mm -hmm. Ford is mm -hmm. kind of running around trying to, you know, prove With his, his wit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. But what I got was like a really good courtroom drama, which I quite like that genre of movie. Yeah, so I was really pleasantly surprised. And then, yeah, with the ending, it was really good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, so let's, um, let's jump straight to the ending because it's the most interesting part of the film to talk about. And I think and I, when I was watching it this time, so for the the last 20 minutes, like I feel like my heart is, was fluttering and my mind was skipping around. And I just imagined old Scorsese leaning back in his chair going, this is cinema. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so the minute his... the minute So the end of the movie, the last 20 minutes... They play with your feelings so much about what you think, how you think this movie's going to end. Mm. And I'm yes. curious how many times you guys went backwards and forwards because there's the the best moment of the film, and again, spoilers, is when the wife walks through the, comes down the steps. I did it. I fooled them all. The interview. They think I'm qualified. Now that moment yeah. is yeah, that's is what the whole movie's about. But then, but then you're still pondering and thinking, aren't you? So, so can you talk me through your emotions at the end, uh, Fish? So, what, what what were you thinking going in? So, I say from from when he's doing the hammering on the fence. Um. Uh, so so I'll, I'll I'll even go back further than that. Okay. Because I was 99% sure his wife did it from the first oh, sort of half an hour. Really? Oh, yeah, okay. because she's playing it psycho. Okay. She, she, <laughs> I didn't she, get she's... it at all, but go on. Oh, right, I okay. She has, I, oh, interesting. She's, to me, she was playing a psycho 
psychopath. Like you could tell she was a bit unhinged in the way she was performing. And I was like, right, she has okay. that sense that I've lacked my entire life. So that's I've just a problem. I've been in relationships with a lot of nutters. I think <laughs> and I could see it coming. Um, so I was, like I say, I was ninety nine percent sure. Um, the, and then there were flickers th- throughout the film where you sort of think, oh, actually, what well, you know, was it? Um, Harrison. What the fuck is his character's name? Harrison for uh, Rusty. Rusty. Great Savage. name. Rusty. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute as well. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fantastic. But yeah. Name. So yeah. So what was it? Rusty or was it his wife? And see, at the end where he's hammering the fence and he finds the mm-hmm. murder weapon. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, now where where are we going with this? And I personally yeah, think yeah. it would have been a more interesting ending of when he's washing the blood off and the camera sort of pulls out. If that was the end of the film. And it leaves that's the Nolan the ending. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it leaves you wondering: is it him or was it his wife? And you're not quite sure. But mm-hmm. then it carries on playing out. And like you say, she comes down the stairs and says, "It was me." But then ah, but then she's talking about her interview, and you're like, "Oh, you." Yeah, so you must have thought going? you must have thought it wasn't her at that point because that's what that's what's the clever thing about the movie. Yeah, even you think I, yeah. even if you think it is her, you would have gone, "Oh, yeah. hang on, it can't be because they're tricking yeah. me." Mm. Yeah, those last few minutes, it. I was up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. Him, her, him, yeah, him, yeah. Him, her, right until the very end when she just basically admits it but in from from a third person perspective which is really interesting she keeps just reading it like a story well it is interesting but that kind of mirrors a scene earlier in the film where rusty savage himself refers to himself in the third person where he's talking about how they think the defense is going to battle him in court oh yeah it's kind of like a mirror of the same scene which is like they both sort of describe it in that way it's quite i thought that was interesting yeah that's right i thought it was really creepy that she did that so detached from reality wasn't she with her husband who had made life possible for her until he was bewitched by another woman. A destroyer. She plans her suicide. Until the dream begins. In the dream, the destroyer is destroyed. That's a dream worth living for. But I have to say, I mean, maybe I'm just not that smart or observant, but at no point during the movie did I think that his wife did it at any point. And I don't know. Uh, seriously, I, at no fish, point. No, Fish, I've watched this movie. When the first time I watched it, I had no idea. And I'm someone that like thinks it, I worked this shit out. And then I've watched it with a few people over the years. No one ever thinks it's the wife. Yeah. What Nobody. the fuck? Oh, I was absolutely positive. Someone <laughs> You know, me and Dave got sucked in, you know. His his wife definitely did it. <laughs> Just after my note, this is one of the brownest films I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so brown. Did you, well, yeah, you mean okay. you meant because of all the ethnic casting? What did you mean? Sorry. Oh, the the. Uh, okay, <laughs> well, I'll get to the button. Freeze. Woke police. What I actually meant was all the leather and wood. Oh, okay. Sorry. In right. Got you. It was like, oh apologies. my god, this is brown. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Jim, did you mirror the experience? When did you twig it was it was the wife? <laughs> Not until she comes down the stairs and said, "I did it." Yeah. When they tell you, basically, when the film tells you that she. What did about it. when he found the bloody hammer? What are you thinking? You thinking it's Harrison? I thought it was him. Still, yeah. I was like, oh shit, it was him all yeah, along, yeah. and he's just. But how? <laughs> you know, in your sort of mid to late thirties or whatever the fuck you are. Does it not? Do you not even think maybe it's the wife having but, watched the stuff that you've I, watched? Right, I don't know because I th- the sense that I got from it it was very much one side or you know there's two outcomes here he he either did do it or he didn't 
and that was kind of it was going to go either way, right? So at the end, when it's kind of revealed that he has the murder weapon, it's like, oh fuck, he did actually do it, and he's just been, you know, very sneaky this whole time. But then when they do the second reveal, it's like, oh fuck, that's amazing, and that's like the joy of this movie. And again, I hope we're not spoiling this for anyone. <laughs> you know, it's too it's late. Too late. But, now. Too late. Yeah. We we warned them. Yeah, we really did. Because of because obviously the whole way through the movie, also uh, there's no other real suspects apart from his boss. I think right, they kind of set his boss up as being mm-hmm. a, a likely suspect. But the guy from Cocoon. The guy from Cocoon. Yeah. So uh, yeah, sorry. Um. So yeah, it can only really be his boss. I agree. It's the other suspect. Yeah, that was framing him. Um. So the movie opens with a courtroom. I've got I've got something to say about this beginning. Oh, go on. Yeah. Absolutely, you cannot do this in 2023 start with what they started with in this film which was a static shot of 14 brown chairs <laughs> and a little monologue it went on for ages you think you are you talking about representation you need to have some yellow chairs some green chairs <laughs> stop talking about <laughs> racism <laughs> oh you mean literally it, brown chairs it right was okay, sorry, brown leather chairs <laughs> right, right? right okay but and then um we we had this recently. We came across a clip recently on um, TikTok of Dexter Fletcher discussing. Um, <laughs> yes, that was his, that was fresh in my mind watching this too. Yeah, his direction of it's ghosted, right? The film ghosted, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he was talking about directing films for streaming and how they use metrics like completion rate and stuff like that. And this was at the forefront of my mind because there's no way in a streaming world now you'd start a film with that shot of just chairs. But at the same time, the metrics, as that's the new key phrase, yeah. you can't have, you don't have box office anymore. You have completion is the big one. How <laughs> many people completed watching it? Yeah. And apparently that's a really high number. So Apple are like, you're, go- you're great. You, you know, you've broken records. It's the biggest film ever in the history of, of Apple. You, you can't make a film for, for streaming the same way you make a theatrical. You mm-hmm. can't. There's different metrics and there's different approach. There has to be because... Like I say, for the, even for the very reason that people can turn off very quickly. You know, in the beginning of Ghosted, I had, a, I, had a, I really loved a, a long opening sequence of uh, Anna Armas driving a car through the mountains, which I'm trying to reference a lovely old film that I really loved with Goldie Horn and Chevy Chase called Foul Play. And they said, you can't, because if it goes on and something doesn't happen yeah. in the first 30 seconds, we know the data shows that people will just turn off. Well, Fish, let me tell you as well, I was... This this movie, believe it or not, made for twenty million dollars, made two hundred over two hundred million quid. Wow. Can you imagine? Sweet, sweet book. Can you imagine a movie like this making that kind of money these days? Not a no chance. Way. This this would be a, a a mini series or something on straight. Yes, it's a Netflix like original, Netflix. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah. I still, you know, the opening of this movie and the closing. So, I think Dave, you've mentioned this before on a previous podcast, where the first shot of the movie is the same as the last shot, right? And it's mm-hmm. like a bookend, bookend yeah. right? I just felt yeah. it was unnecessary. I I could live with the opening where he's doing his kind of monologue, but the epilogue was just completely unnecessary, I thought. So I agree. I think that this was a very popular book at the time, and I can imagine that the opening of the book, reading this narration and the ending being pretty iconic and then wanting to just preserve that. Do you know what I mean? Because that's probably what most people are going to remember is this opening narration and the ending narration of the book. So I, I think it's, yeah, I don't think it's particularly cinematic. And I don't even think it's that impactful, really. The ending's good. I like the ending. The ending narration I quite like. Because there's, there's more to it, actually. So at the end, he says you can't try two people for the same crime. But he doesn't mean, I, I, don't, I don't think he means that literally. I don't think he literally means you can't prosecute 
two people for the same crime. I think it's that he was he's sort of saying that he you can't he can't go on the stand with his wife. He would do that. Mm. Do you know what I mean? He's saying that he wouldn't let her go up by herself. I think that's how I interpreted it. I see. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. Okay, um, so we talk about the John Williams score. Because that hits you immediately, oh, doesn't it? Oh, fucking shall we? Every fucking ten seconds. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We get it. We get it. John Williams, I don't see right. Okay, because I, I heard this and I was like, they're playing it so often, it was doing me. So then I did a deep Google. I was like, oh, it was not even that deep. I googled it, and it's like, oh shit, it's John Williams. And I found myself getting annoyed at John Williams. So then I felt guilty, as you should. Had to wrap myself on the knuckles. But then I sort of realised it's not really John Williams' fault. He did the score. He created this little motif and a hook for the film. But then the directors and the editors went well, OTT, just using it after every, you know. Oh, she's she's been murdered. <laughs> Can I get you a coffee? <laughs> it's like, wait, what, I'm what, hooked what, though, fish. I am. I'm hooked. Oh, we've we've lost. Can you find? Oh, yeah, we've lost the file. Can you find the file? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mother of God. Um. Well, I mean it. Did not bother me as much as it's bothered you. As, as okay, because, all right. Uh, you know, I'm, all I'm, right. I'm, I'm, we'll see if it bothers you by the end of this podcast. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> um, so guys, you know, we've been doing the '90s repeated a long time now. You must have, you know, having having had to suffer through my observations of wokeness and not wokeness, have noticed immediately that this was a quite a diverse cast. As he walks immediately when they walk, the movie opens. They're in New Jersey, New York. They walk through the courtroom halls and immediately we're in we're in an actual representative New York, New Jersey, aren't we? No? You guys noticed? I, 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 I didn't spot it, if I'm honest. No, I didn't. Oh, I didn't dear. Spot it. Fish, you've learned nothing. No, sadly not. <laughs> Jim did. He's, he's nodding his head. Good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so we get, we get... Harrison Ford has a black secretary... Uh, there's a black judge in this. Within the, I wrote down within the within the first six minutes, we've had two black speaking characters actually, with with, oh. with lines. Good, so, good. Uh, it stood out, especially because we just watched Arachnophobia last week. So that's probably also why I was like, oh, such a such a, a bit of whip, bit of whiplash. Arachnophobia was pure white, was it? Yeah, pure white, pretty much. Yeah. Oh dear. I, I enjoyed um, the kind of um, office banter of the 1990s. So, you know, when um, his boss, take charge of this, will you, Tiger? <laughs> yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I wish my boss would say that to me. I'd be highly motivated. Can you imagine walking into the office today and your boss going, take care of this one, Tiger? <laughs> take charge of this one for me, okay, Tiger? If you care about my health, you're the only one around here I can trust. A very sure thing, boss. Absolutely. I think one of the interesting things this movie does, and again, on the rewatch, um, something I appreciated is that it's what's your anticip anticipation of who Carolyn is and what Carolyn's going to be like before you see her. Because in the, so Carolyn's the woman that's murdered in this film. Yes. And in the first sort of 30 minutes, we don't see her. We just hear about her. Mm. And we hear things like, she's not going to let some sex maniac in for a beer. <laughs> well, we are talking about Carolyn. 
Do you know what I mean? So I don't know yeah, what yeah. you... I think the movie kind of really establishes her, like, oh my God, what? who is this woman and what is it going to be like? When you meet her, I, I think they do, ha- they do do a good job of humanising her mm. um, and showing that she is actually a really good lawyer and that she's using her kind of feminine wills to forward her own career. But, like, I almost felt on the rewatch, I felt like... This is, I think this is by design that the movie sets you up to be like a judgmental prick, male chauvinist, and then forces you to kind of confront those, you know, judgments that you might have made before you meet her. And then I felt a little bit guilty once she appears on screen and is actually a professional. Yeah, possibly. But Although, I mean, do you guys it, have a similar it's, feeling? It, it sets that up. It front loads that an awful lot because I was just looking for the line in my notes and I just found it. Uh, yeah, when they're describing her, they describe her ha- as, quote, beautiful, sexy gal, hell of a lawyer. So it's like, right, not not just hell of a lawyer. Yeah. They have to throw in beautiful, sexy gal first and then it's brackets, hell of a lawyer, you know, as well. Also, <laughs> as well as being a beautiful, sexy gal. Yeah. Beautiful, sexy gal, hell of a lawyer. That's her ending, right? That's a roar of war. But yeah, so they do, they sort of, they load it up yeah. that she's like a bit, uh, how would you describe her without offending people? Slutty. I wanted to say, oh yeah, slutty. It was, it's kind of what I wanted to say, but I didn't get, I was also going for whorish. <laughs> I, I don't think, okay, so I don't, yeah, so that I think they set her up as slutty and whorish. Yeah. But then when you meet her, as in slutty and whorish, as in she sleeps around with no rhyme or reason. But once you meet her, it's not that, right? It's just not like she's going to get with anyone. Is Do you know it, what I mean? It's, though? No. Oh, this is uncomfortable. So, uh, so Fish, I think she's very deliberate in who she's choosing to sleep okay, with. Okay, yeah, all, all right. I'll take that. It's all yeah. for career progression. Yes. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. So, and and a key, a key part of the film is that she's sleeping with Harrison because she thinks that he's going to progress. Mm. And then the minute she realizes that he hasn't got any ambition... Yeah. She ditches him. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. And bit. goes for the boss. That's right. That's when she calls it off, isn't he? And he gets all jealous and weird. Yeah. 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 So I watched this movie twice. So Ooh. the first time round I was like, Oh, I've 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 judged this woman and now I'm seeing her and now I feel kind of guilty. Um but then the second time I watched it, I was like, No, this is kind of morally dark territory that we're in and if someone was really doing this sort of thing i feel like i'd be okay and going mm, i'm not sure this is all right yeah do you know what i mean if you know you'd like to think that people now are like succeeding based on their own ability not because they are sleeping their way to the top yeah sure do you know what i mean and it, i think i think that in film and I, I i i wasn't old enough to remember the 90s there was this kind of acceptance that that's what just what women had to do do you know what I mean? That if a woman was to succeed, she just had to kind of sleep her way to the top because that's how women got ahead and that's how women succeeded. Thatcher. I feel like we've kind of, we've kind of <laughs> I feel like we've kind of moved on as a society from there, and I just feel like that kind of mindset and attitude's just not accepted anymore, right? I yeah, like I, would, is... I would I would say not. Yeah, but then they but again they do set her up to you know to be a talented lawyer as well. So there is that kind. Of... I I I don't like her. No, as a character, okay. I, I think she's a shitty human being, uh, and maybe that is just because she's. Well, it's interesting, but why though? Yeah, yeah. It's um, she doesn't. She's not. She's not likable, in my opinion. Anyway, she comes across as quite an unlikable character. Yeah, it's. I think it's interesting because it's she. It, she's a three-dimensional character. It's like it's, so. It's a good 
It's a good performance, first of all, by the actress. Hmm. Yeah. Who is? Do we do we know her name off the top of our heads? Greta Greta Sarchi. Greta Sarchi. Greta Sarchi. Greta Sarchi. So interesting fact about Greta Sarchi, guys. Greta Sarchi married Vincent D'Onofrio. Do you remember him oh, from yeah. Full Metal Jacket? Uh-huh. And really? The, the villain from, from the Kingpin. And they had a daughter called Lisa George together. Okay. Uh, Lisa George would go on to have a relationship with Sean Penn. Now, boy, is that an uncomfortable Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she is a good actress, good performance. You know they went for Sharon Stone for this, right? You know they were oh. banging down Sharon Stone's door. What about, what about Pfeiffer? Going, Pfeiffer could no, have done this. Sharon Stone all over it. You Absolutely. A hundred percent. Come on. Yeah, this right. was... okay. But to be, I mean, you know, it is a Sharon Stone performance though. Like it is like it's so in my head, I was like, okay, we couldn't get Sharon. We've gone for the next best thing. I think Michelle Pfeiffer would have been a good shout though, Fish, because I think Michelle Pfeiffer is a little bit softer. Because hmm. I think when I'm watching it, I do think maybe she's a little bit too tough. And maybe it would have been interesting. I guess we're going to recast this to really cast this part against type. Do you know? I mean, imagine if this was Julia Roberts or like uh, Sandra Bullock. I think it would have added to the kind of ambiguity of I it. Think you'd feel a bit more out with sympathetic Lee. towards her, probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't that arsed that she'd been murdered. To be brutally honest, <laughs> I was like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I think because you have no relationship to this woman. You, 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 she just, she just comes across cold, doesn't she? Like cold. Do you, do you think that kind of, uh, I don't know, softens the ending a little bit when you, when you find out who has killed her? Does it make you more sympathetic to them as a husband and wife team because she's been designed that way to be such a, you know, bitch, if you like? Do you think if the, you know if they'd have made her a nicer character? Oh yeah, the- if it had been a different actress, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I didn't feel any remorse or anything. Not remorse. That's the wrong word. Uh, do you know what I mean? I didn't feel bad for her that yeah. she'd been murdered. Yeah, um, and that's probably not great. Maybe you should. It's I'm not. not sure. It's not like it justifies the murder, but it certainly helps. Kind of, no. you, you side with the 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 main characters, I guess. Yeah, I think so. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, you sort of end up siding with the murderer. Oof. Okay, I wouldn't say I sided with the murderer, but but. I, I, I don't think the movie in any way leads you to believe that this, these two are going to be okay after the credits roll. That's you know true, I mean? yeah. Their relationship is kind of... I don't think Harrison and his wife gone. are going back to like... Yeah, that yeah. shit is over. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think they're going to stay together, but like it's going to be a pretty loveless <laughs> relationship. I think it's just going to be like... I you think know. knowing that your wife has malleted a woman to death, injected your sperm into her vagina tied her up with ropes and then lied about it for the past three weeks yeah you're not really gonna be like lying there next to her and having a cuddle are you you're gonna be sleeping with one eye open no yeah yeah which is why this movie reminded me so much of gone girl yes um, yeah, very similar. gone girl has a very similar ending she's fucking nuts i don't want to get too graphic about it but you just mentioned something about the whole sperm situation Oh, please. Yeah, let's bring up the sponsor. I just want to elaborate in, <laughs> into this, if you like. Uh, so she took her husband's sperm, Harrison Ford's sperm, right? Yeah, that's right. Well, she, she technically she took her own diaphragm. Yes. Okay. Right. But, yeah. Okay. So there is like some malice in that because was she trying to frame her husband? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, they're, they're definitely not getting through this, are they? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah. I, I believe that it's it's said explicitly in the film she thought that he would bury it 
that he would find out what happened, sure. know it was her, but that he would bury the evidence and that it wouldn't go to trial. So the, the, it, it going to trial or pre-trial in the movie is the surprise and the unexpected kind of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh no, I've gotten, I've done too much. You know, and it's interesting as well, isn't it? Because like even the you know the technicality of this movie, you, could, you couldn't make that today because with DNA testing, it would be you'd get a sure answer about that sperm, wouldn't you? They could only determine the blood type from it. Well, that's right. Yeah, they only determined the blood type. Yeah, Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, the DNA thing didn't come up, did it really? Well, it's because it wasn't a thing then. It it didn't exist by then. No, it wasn't a thing. Wow. When I was watching it again now, the the lack of kind of social media um, hung really heavy on me over this. Hmm. So can I I just um, go through exactly what happens to Harrison Ford in this movie so he is accused of a murder and a rape he didn't commit right okay as part of that he this is the public knowledge he has to acknowledge he was having an affair with her he has to acknowledge that his fingerprints were on the glass in her apartment he has to acknowledge that he was calling her obsessively and phoned her on the night of her murder and his semen was found at the scene of the crime (laughs) now i don't know about you I don't think I'd cope too well with that overwhelming amount of evidence thrown at me. And in the age of social media, this guy's life is over, right? He is, I mean, we don't don't actually see any kind of repercussions in this film of like what's happening at his kids at school or what's happening with his neighbors when he goes to the supermarket to buy some food. Like his life would be like, you know, if this was me, I wouldn't last 10 minutes. I'd be throwing myself off a bridge if I was wrongly accused of all this stuff. Do you know what I mean? He'd just lock himself in a room and play piano, wouldn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Chris, what else is there to do? I think they probably. I think they probably relocate to another city. They probably emigrate to Canada. I'm thinking, fresh start. Yeah, yeah. He goes into archaeology, <laughs> learns the bullwhip. Yeah, so I mean, if you were doing this movie again now, um, you'd have to. Yeah, his life would just be so much harder, wouldn't it? Like you'd have to show all of that stuff. And the kid at school as well is like largely unaffected. Oh, you know, there'd be he, a he whole. There'd be kid. a whole B plot with the kid getting bullied at school, wouldn't there? Totally. He straight up tells his kid as well, I'm accused of a crime I didn't commit. But like, there's no way that the kid would be able to avoid the details of that and everything yeah. like now. Just uh... and, I, and then I, it got me thinking, there's, there's practical reasons why the film doesn't do this. And it's because, coming back to how good Harrison Ford's performance is, Harrison Ford has to, in his performance, both be innocent and guilty for the duration of the film. Yep. So that's a requirement of the plot that he doesn't have a freak out and is is going crazy because that's that's would make it seem well he's innocent, yeah. isn't he? If all this stuff is going on. Mm-hmm. So you can't actually show that. And when you think about it, that had to be that had to play into Harrison's Ford's performance for the whole movie. I have to play this like I'm innocent and I'm guilty and I'm guilty. And he does a very good job of making that feel natural, again, which is why I think he's a good actor. I, I, I didn't it was only when I started thinking about the plot that I realised what Harrison Ford was doing. It wasn't. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't. It didn't occur to me when I was watching him. But that is what he had to do. I don't maybe hold Harrison Ford in such high regard as you, Dave, in terms of acting yeah. and performance. Because I've always thought of him as quite mm-hmm. a sort of monotonous performer. Like, you know, he yeah, doesn't okay. have that like rage where he goes either way about anything. It's always quite like flatlined, his performance. So that kind of yeah. obviously helps in this movie an awful lot. Um, but I think that's one of the issues mm-hmm. I've always had with Harrison well, Ford is that there's not really a lot of sort of dynamics to his performances. I feel like if you 
ever try and act you, yourself on camera, uh, you know, and you try and read lines, it's very hard to not overact, mm. just generally. Like, it's very hard to not be big in your mannerisms and you're big in your line delivery. And so then it's... Then I always appreciate actors more like Harrison Ford that can keep everything still and still deliver yeah, okay. emotion. Yeah, yeah. And then it all becomes about what you do with your eyes and how when you pause and when you do things. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like why people love uh, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro because they're like the kind of kings of like this yeah. slow yeah. movements and I didn't eyes I was looking out stuff. for it. I didn't notice in this movie the Harrison Ford point. I don't think he pointed at any point in this movie. What the no. hell is the Harrison Ford point? The Harrison Ford finger point. It's like his trademark. Is it? Oh, we're going to have to find some kind of YouTube smash cut. to find some clips. Yeah, yeah that's not going to work on a podcast, is it? Someone pointing. <laughs> really? Is that a thing? I meant just for your benefit. Just so you can right, see. Right, oh, okay. Um, can we talk about, just briefly, 35 minutes into the movie, um, the trailer opens with it. Carolyn about to sleep with Harrison Ford. We all know they're going to sleep together. She looks at him and she goes, it's going to be so good. And I was like, oh. Yeah. Oh. I was like, that was pretty hot, wasn't it? I was like, what, what a pressure on Rusty, that, to perform, isn't it? <laughs> Don't you say that every time, Dave, before you get down? Yeah. It's going to be so good. Um, I don't like to set myself up for failure, really. So I like yeah. to, you know, under under promise, over deliver. This is going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Did anyone else think that this was just like a pointless, gratuitous sex scene, though? Oh yeah, you saw. It some, does go on a little too long. Nipple. Yeah, there's nipple in too long. It's just well, just not not even what you see, but just yeah, it goes on too long, and I feel like it was unnecessary. Like you didn't need to see them for as long as you did. Can I actually chip in with a quote? Go on. From Gre Greta Sarchi, is it? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, go on. Uh, about that uh, scene specifically, um, mm -hmm. she said she found the filming humiliating. She says here that Ooh. some, quote, some little trick happened with the camera angles and there was more nudity than I would have liked, she says. Mm -hmm. And this is sort of pre, what do they call them? Intimacy coordinators? Is what oh, well, it's definitely pre-intimacy coordinators. Yeah. But this shit used to go on all the time, Fish, famously with Sharon Stone right. in Basic Instinct. So famously, she didn't know that the crotch shot was going to happen. See, that, is, I think that just seems so hard to believe. I think it's just in terms of where the camera is positioned and then when you obviously like they might say you're going to see like for, for, I don't know but let's just say you say to the actress so she said camera positioning revealed a bit more nudity than I was anticipating so they might have said we're going to see a little bit of side boob right yeah and you're like okay yeah but then obviously in the movie it's a lot more than that he's and, sucking on a tip mean? full on <laughs> he's giving it riz <laughs> how did she not know yeah and also, you're right, this is an actress, it's her first film, I think, or your first big movie, she's opposite Harrison Ford, you don't really have a say, do you? You can't really argue, so it's a different time. But this this stuff used to go on, and any kind of movie with sex scenes, you, you, you read the, yeah, an interview with the actresses, and it always does feel like that they were kind of coerced and, mm -hmm. you know, pressured. And there's far more of those stories than uh, I knew everything that was going to happen, it was yeah. all storyboarded. And But then... I think I don't know if it was Michael Douglas got himself in a little bit of hot water because some actors obviously they want the the raw emotion right they just want to go with it in the scene and that's kind of the old uh, mindset that like these intersme intersme coordinators are trying to get people out of that mindset mm -hmm. that like you can't just go with it in a scene like that I'm afraid you know it's just like we're not doing that 
yeah. anymore. And also, these scenes generally aren't necessary. Yeah, very yeah. rarely. There was a, there was a, there was a Fred there was a Fred on Twitter recently about name a movie where the sex scene. Um, was needed or advanced the plot mm, mm. because because um, because he's talked about this an awful lot. Um, there's only one director that I know, and that's David Cronenberg, that does use sex scenes to advance the plot of the movie. Mm. Um, so the best example I have is in A History of Violence, where it's about a guy who's concealing his identity. He's got like a fake persona. So at the start of the movie, he has sex with his wife um, on under the persona that he's having. It's obviously it's very loving and you know. And then when he reveals who he really is and the persona he's hiding, they have sex again, and it's very different. So that does actually serve a plot process to show the change in dynamic between these two characters. You know, I don't want to dwell too long on this, but then you just brought up the history of violence, Dave. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was kind of expecting something from this sex scene. Ooh, well, like a cum shot. Well, no, no, not exactly. But I was, right. I was expecting there to be an insinuation of Harrison Ford being quite, you know, heavy-handed... And grabbing a bit of a, oh okay a, okay you know a kink if you or like. to lean into the idea that he might that have he might have it. actually done it in a kind of sex act or something so I I was expecting mm. just something to come from the scene other than just them having sex so, you know but it but it, but it yeah. never should we talk about one hour into the movie Raúl Julia shows up Raúl Julia Raúl Julia um he's a good actor isn't he and he is relentlessly Puerto Rican. Yeah, which is good. He really embraces who he is, yeah, yeah. isn't he? He just he is who he is. He's not toning it down for nobody. No, and he's you know, and I he's um he was sadly taken far too soon, wasn't he? And I was thinking, fish, Raúl Julia, surely the greatest Star Trek actor to never have appear in Star Trek. What a great point. What he would have made point. an excellent cue. Can you imagine him going up against Q? Even when an actor isn't even in Star Trek, we're still talking about <laughs> fucking Star Trek. He would have made a good Q. Oh my god. I don't even know who yeah. that is. Fantastic Q. I can see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, we were robbed of a great Star Trek actor there. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about uh, John Spencer quickly. Go on. Uh, so John Spencer is... John Spencer, he's the uh, cop. He's the, yeah, like Harrison Ford's cop buddy, kind of. Uh, yeah, where do we know him from? Uh, is he, sorry, sorry, is he the one that hid uh, the glass yeah. at the end? Yeah, yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. Uh, so first of all, John Spencer aged an awful lot in like a matter of about five years because it was only like six years after or five years after this film came out that The Rock came out and he was in The Rock and he just looks like 20 years older which is just bonkers, right? Is it the hair, Jim? Is it the, is it the hairline? I don't know if it's the hairline. It's the hair colour for sure because he went grey very quickly I think after this movie. Um, he stopped dyeing his hair, right? <laughs> um, but also, right, it just every time he was on the screen I don't know why it just reminded me of like Al from Quantum Leap. Oh, you know what? <laughs> he I just, totally see that. He just like kind of appears. Is there a read on this movie where he's an imaginary character? Well, that is, is what it, I started I to, to think as well. Because there was like for most of the scenes he's in, he's only talking to Harrison Ford. I think he is That's like brilliant. You know, uh, interacting with other people in later scenes. But to begin with, you I think was, maybe I... Scott Bakula, <laughs> Star Trek Scott Bakula. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, he's in Star Trek. Oh, God. Jim, oh, God. <laughs> I haven't got an Enterprise think... theme tune here. <laughs> it's been a long road. It's been a long road. 
Yeah. I don't know if it's just the way he's <laughs> um, dressed. I think or... maybe this was a Quantum Leap episode. He, like, <laughs> it seems Scott like had it. jumped into Harrison Ford. There's one. Yeah, I can see that. There's one scene in particular where Harrison Ford's just standing in a doorway and he just kind of appears from the side, just kind of sidesteps into frame. It's, yeah, just holograms his way into frame. <laughs> it's hilarious. The um, the mortician guy was an interesting character, wasn't he? Yeah. He's um he's called um I wrote his name down. He's still alive. He's called Sabe Simeon Simia Sabe Simona. He's eighty six. He's still acting, still going, and it made me think that there's maybe does Harrison Ford have something in his in his contract where he has to have an angry exchange with an Asian man? Freeze, woke police. When else does he have an angry exchange with an Asian man? Where, where? Well. He's he's tell him I'm eating from uh, from from Blade Runner. He say you Blade Runner. Tell him I'm eating. Captain Brian Stoker. Okay. And uh, no time for love, Doctor Jones, in uh, Temple of Doom. <laughs> Short round. Quit fooling around with that chick. Get down the car now. Oh cool. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we got. I think it's a little lucky charm. If Harrison Ford gets irritated and angry at an Asian man, you've got a good movie on your hands. I think it's uh, okay. <laughs> sweet, sweet formula of success. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's yeah. a secret. It's a secret to Harrison Ford's success. At one hour ten minutes, the greatest moment in this entire film. Oh, go on. Where the judge goes into the office, <laughs> puts his arm around somebody, and goes, "Malto." Where's the fucking glass? Moto. Where is the fucking glass? The police evidence room was where it was supposed to be, but they haven't been able to locate it. Well, we're not going to be talking about evidence that nobody can find. Not in my court. <laughs> this judge <laughs> is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie. And we also find out that this judge was sleeping with Carolyn as well. Just when we thought that everyone... <laughs> Everyone in this movie has been sleeping with Carolyn. They throw in the judge as well, and you're like, "Really? This guy? That was left field." I can't remember what, exactly what they were talking about, but he said something like, "If this conversation was happening in my neighborhood, it would be followed up with your mama." It's like wow. <laughs> this guy is just like a really weird, funny stereotype. Do, do we? I, I do want to carry on talking about this judge because, well, he's a major. And I mean, major Star Trek actor. Do you is know he? this, Dave? Yes. Do I didn't know, know this. Who's he played? Can you think off the top of your head, just from his face, where he might be from? Because he has played two barn barnstormers. Mate, I don't. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to profile the actor. Oh God! But you know, <laughs> if I was guessing, I'd go Klingon. Do you know right. what I mean? Okay. I mean, that's <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that's Klingon fair. would be that's my first guess. <laughs> so, but um, cast your mind back okay. to start Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan. Yes, Ca Captain of the Reliant, who gets a worm put in his ear and shoots himself, and that's him. Yes, yes, you're and right. Secondly, yes, yes. an absolute belter of an episode. He plays. I forget the name of the character. Is Dathon in the episode Darmok? Mm -hmm. Darmok nice. and Jalad at Tanagra. That's him <laughs> under the makeup. Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra. I remember the words, but I don't understand. 
That's how you communicate, isn't it? By, by citing example, by metaphor. Which series was that? Oh, I don't know. It's later on because Picard's wearing his uh, his, oh, captain, next his captain's okay. jacket. Yeah, yeah. So it's like series okay. six, maybe. Skip to the end. Okay. Skip to the end. <laughs> and I guess the final point, and this confused me for ages, is his name. Yeah. <laughs> now I couldn't believe they went with this. Right. I thought his name was Rusty Savage. Right. And I was like, that yeah. is such a porn star name. Or a wrestler. It's like someone is into yeah. like aggressive buggery, isn't it? Like. He's a rusty savage. Oh, boy. Oh, door. Oh, and it wasn't Lord. until the credits rolled. The work siren cannot play loud enough <laughs> or long enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck that. But it wasn't until the credits rolled that his name, I realised his name was Sabich. So it's S-A-B-I-C-H. Well, his first name's not even Rusty. Do you know what his first name actually is? No, go on. in court. Rosak. His name's Rosak Sabich. Which is a name I've never heard, um, but it's I, I, you know I believe it means um, stability and um, yeah stability and calmness. I believe so. It's, it's definitely deliberate naming. Yeah. I did. I thought it was bold to go with Rusty Savage, honestly. But uh, is it actually Savage? No, it's not. It's Savage. Savage. But then I only realised that in the credits. So, um, all right, is it time for categories? I believe so. Yeah. This week's episode is sponsored by Harrison Ford's Piano Lessons. And with me is a very special guest to talk all about his new program. It's Harrison Ford. I have a great feeling about this. AI, for legal reasons. <clears throat> so, Harrison, tell us all about your new program for learning piano. I didn't kill my wife. Uh, okay, okay. That, that's weird. Um, we'll change the subject. Um... I know you're a, a deeply spiritual man who's also interested in antique swords. Can you tell us more about that? Well, hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good piano at your side, kid. Oh, okay. Back to the piano then. Um, so, most people find playing piano quite difficult. How does your piano course differ from all the others? Playing piano ain't like dusting crops, farm boy. Right. Okay, well, I've never worked on a farm. Um, let's, let's talk about the grading. How does your piano course grade the students? Do you have any practical exams? Only the penitent man will pass. Oh, actually, Harrison, um, in today's woke culture, we should really try and keep things inclusive. Only the penitent person will pass. Oh, right. So why are you even doing this? What possessed you to start charging for a piano course? I expect to be well paid. I'm in it for the money. Okay, this has been a huge waste of time. Let's just wrap it up. I really hate you. I love you. I know. Put your feet up. Get yourself a cup of tea. It's time for categories. First category. Best line from the movie. Who wants to go first? Molto, where's the fucking glass? <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> mm. One of the ones mm. I wrote down was, I think his boss says it to him, something like, you had the cork in too tight. When you blew, you blew made me laugh quite a lot Jesus yeah. Christ yeah that was a, I, I wrote that one down too like yeah that's a funny way of describing someone that's uptight isn't it we always knew you had the cork in too <laughs> yeah. tight yeah I've got I've got a belter because there's, there's a few in sort of they have these arbitrary 70s style police chats and they're yeah. talking about police business and one of the guys says to the other they were sweeping the parks cleaning out the faggots oh yeah yeah <laughs> I, I, I missed that one and yeah. I was like mother of Crikey. God yeah. like, 
I mean, it's not a best line. It just like it was really stood it out. Stood out, yeah. They were sweeping the parks, cleaning out the faggots. Back when Raymond got some balls for about a day and a half. Next category: nitpicks and shit bits. Any nitpicks or any shit bits? I the one I wrote down is in hindsight a bit odd. Now I wrote down: I knew it was the wife. Could that have been hidden better? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so clearly it was fine. <laughs> it was absolutely fine. Yeah. At what point did you think she was guilty? I don't understand. At what point you think you just literally from the first scene? You really like, early on. Yeah. He'd had an no, affair. I see how he is. So obviously she's a suspect. No. Yeah. No. Right. That's. No I don't know how you don't. Um, that's mad. No. Um, <laughs> there was no scene in this movie that I thought that was a shit scene. I. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I there was there was nothing where I was like, oh, bad. I I've got one. Go on. This, the two of them are in a lift going down and having a chat mm. and it's so fucking dark oh well you know like, what i wrote down when that in that scene i was like i was like this is the first time i've noticed bad sound right fish. Go. i think that might go on Jim, well i was just gonna say the actual like technical filmmaking on display here isn't great across the board the, the story's right. awesome and i think the acting's great but cinematography is pretty shit the sound is pretty shit the sound Um, so this this director is known was known as an actor's director, and he did um, he did it was all about performances. So he did uh, all the President's Men, and he did um, uh, the Pelican Brief, and um, yeah, he, he, and Sophie's Choice, famously mm-hmm. with um, Meryl Streep. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's not a it's not a thriller, and there's no real. You're right. There could have been. You can always make some interesting camera work. You can always move the camera around a bit. Well, well, going back to that lift, though, I was talking about I've never noticed bad sound editing before, is that um, when they're in that lift and they're having a conversation, there is some whooshing as they as they go through the floors, and the whooshing is mixed really high in the mix. And I was like, why am I... A, why, why is the whooshing even there? Why am I hearing it? And why is it so loud in the mix? Good speech. What the hell's happening with Carolyn? Well, everything's in the works. Reassigned all of her cases. This afternoon, I got to deal with all the stuff that Malta left us. What is all this reassignment shit? God damn it, Rusty! That scene's obviously like was just like, oh, let's fucking let's just film something in this lift. It looks cool. And they just like threw a camera in. There's no lighting. It looks shit. They couldn't get the boom yeah. in, so they're just recording it on fucking wherever they could find. It's weird. And maybe you're right. Maybe that was yeah. It was a strange. But that's a technically bad scene. I don't think it's a bad kind of narrative scene. Sure. Um, so yeah, there's no there's no narrative scenes that I thought, oh, this is this is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, like obviously going back to arachnophobia from last week. Um, the next category is recast this. Pick a '90s actor and recast the movie to make it better. Did we touch on this earlier? Or did we just recast the? Uh... I did say it was Stone. Yes. Um, Sharon Stone. I would like. To, I'd like. I think I would have preferred someone else as the judge, but I don't know who. Um, John Delancey. You just don't get it, do you, Jean-Luc? The trial never ends. I, like I said, yeah, I, I think, yeah, potentially Sandra, Sandra Bullock or, yeah, Julia Roberts would have been a more interesting casting choice. Yeah. I don't think there was anyone else. I'm just trying to think if, like, I don't know, De Niro? Because he's got that kind of Ooh. calm... Uh, yeah. Sort of uh, tone about yeah, it. he would have been great. Al or De Niro in this would have been excellent. Yeah. They never did a movie like this, did they? Like, uh, you don't really ever see them as family men. No, 
No. Meet the fuckers. Meet the fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they never, they didn't really play family guys like this, with the wife at home and the kids. Yeah. And, Going off to work, and I don't think that was just not their not their bag. And what about the, what about the the wife? Is it great casting because she's famous enough that you recognise her? Well, Holly from Die Hard, right? I don't have her name. She's actually fairly from. big in the nineties, you know. I but, don't. But yeah, that's I it. I've only she... seen her in Die yeah. Hard's one and two, it's... and now this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is it. I don't know what else she's been in. She had a little run in the nineties. Um, yeah. yeah, she did. She did a movie called Greta with Sharon Stone and a few others that were fairly big. But she's really good, I think. I think she's an excellent actor. And it sort of feels like she should have maybe been bigger than she was. I'm not sure. Hmm. I think she's not got the A-list star looks, is she? I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, not to take anything away from the woman, but she's not. You can't bang her on a poster. Uh, I'm going to rephrase that. Starring in this. <laughs> <laughs> You could. <laughs> Terrible. I feel like we had the same conversation when we did Die Hard 2. Pretty sure, yeah, yeah. Pretty sure we went through this before. We've had this exact same chat. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Did we? What did we say in Die Hard 2? Remind me. We said she's in a film called Presumed Innocent, <laughs> but we're not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and here we are. Okay, what's the next category? Right, fuck all that. Kill the lead. So can we talk about, I mean, we'll, we'll wrap this up with the same category, Fisher, you know, would this movie be better non-linear, right? Can we merge these two together? Yeah, go for so it. So they do kill, do you think that killing Carolyn would have been more impactful if we just had the movie linearly? So we just had Rusty and her in a relationship and then half an hour in she died? Or do we like the structure of where she's dead from the no. beginning and then we flash back? I think there's enough uh, doubt in the early stages where you don't know exactly if he's had an affair yeah that that right. works to sort of drip that in afterwards yeah. oh i didn't even think about that because i'd seen the movie so you guys were getting the revelation that he'd had an affair that's exactly. right yeah. yeah it doesn't happen until a little way uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 no i think also the way that we talked about earlier the way they set her up as a character as well before you meet her Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, doesn't it? They sort of paint the picture. It does, of yeah. And then it, she she comes into the into scene yeah. looking hot as trips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The next category, and I haven't got a clue about this. Food from the movie. <laughs> was there any food in this? I don't think there was any food in this. No, no. we're not going to count the semen that she puts in the freezer. <laughs> Oh, sorry, oh, <laughs> sorry, oh. sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> While we're talking about food and beverages and stuff, right? Did you know that in the 90s, Harrison Ford used to promote a Japanese lager brand? And there's some really hilarious like Japanese adverts of him like hocking right, his better, lager. You better believe we're gonna play. We're gonna play these now. <laughs> Kirin Lager Biru, Kudasa. No, no. Kirin Lager Biru, Kudasa. Hi. Kirin Lager Biru. Mr. Biru. Kirin Lager Biru. Everybody drinks Kirin Lager Biru. A musical number, a scene from the movie, now has to be a musical. I mean, there's only one logical, on, s- logical song, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. Next category. The Beck 
Bechdel test. Yeah, so while it's implied that two women do meet in this movie... <laughs> Pretty Weird. sure they only talked about a man <laughs> yeah. when they did meet before the other one bludgeoned the other one to death. Yes. Um, this movie fails spectacularly, and I was sat there thinking about this category, just how much better the movie would have been had Carolyn just had a female friend uh, with a name that she had a conversation with, just to humanise her mm. a little bit. Yeah. But I think Jim's right. I think the movie doesn't want to humanise her. Yeah. I think it does want you to feel cold towards her. Yeah. Because you could argue the fact that she's killed is a judgment. You know, like in horror movies when you do drugs and you drink, you're murdered. And they're like, so that's a moral judgment. I can scream. She's a sexually liberated woman. She's sleeping away. She gets killed. So maybe the movie is... Yeah, potentially. Judging her in that regard. I'm just trying to... I'm just thinking about the representation Mm -hmm. of women in general in this movie. Like, and Mm. it's... Yeah, it's, it's a real, like tough thing to decide because carolyn uh technically does nothing wrong does she well adultery she knows he's married is that adultery though if she's not married he's committing adultery yes yes okay i'm not sure of the law on this (laughs) i don't know fine yeah they'll know we don't okay yeah well I, i think technically if you um you, 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 when you get divorced, you can you can name the person that was you doing you were doing the adultering with. So well, I believe okay. I don't know. I don't know if it's not illegal. Well, it's not a crime, Jim. Mo- morally, she's <laughs> it's on the papers. Yeah. She knows yeah. he's married. So yeah, okay. I guess so. Okay, yeah. And they've got kids as well, so it makes it a little bit more sketchy, doesn't it? I mean, she's she's interfering with it in a marriage with children. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. yeah. It would be interesting to get a female perspective on this. I think <laughs> it's quite. You know. yeah. yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Any female, unfortunately, this is, this is free white guys, the podcast, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it would be interesting to, um, to have to hear, um, yeah, female opinion on this. Uh, what's the next category? Does another movie do this better? Yes, I'm going to put it out there. I'm going to be like this kind of well, I mean, for me, I said it already like Gone Girl is very much in this wheelhouse. I think Gone Girl's a, a better film. Um, I think they're very similar. Yeah, is that what fair? What about? Yeah, I think they are in in, a, in some respects. What about um, sort of the courtroom, courtroom thriller? Because I, I wrote down a few good men is a better sort of courtroom mm. drama than this. Yeah, and I'd go with you know even or oh, like To Kill a Mockingbird, Twelve Angry Men. Uh, what about twist endings? This has got to be in the top three for me. I love it. It's not a twist for me though. But then fish. <laughs> yeah, fish. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry that I figured it out in the first 10 minutes. <laughs> right, Fish, what are some twists you didn't get from memory? That whole Darth Vader thing. <laughs> who, who knew? Um, some movies with great twists, obviously, for me, is like Sixth Sense, Fight Club. Um, those Usual are the suspects. two big ones, aren't they? Usual Suspects. I, I, like, I like this one. Uh, this is one of my faves. I'm just interested in your opinion because I, I said earlier that I really like courtroom drama movies and mm. there is you know they are like a genre of movie that have sustained their popularity since like the I don't know 1950s I guess and they kind of started uh, and there's just something really appealing about them to me and I don't know exactly what it is um, but yeah they just they they always amaze me. I think the greatest courtroom drama of all time is uh, My Cousin Vinny. There you go. And um, love yeah, that movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the appeal of the courtroom drama is that um, it requires 
clever writing because ultimately you're having to entertain the audience with just the script, yeah. right? It is, it's very theatre-like. Mm. Um, it is just three or four people in a room. Um, and, and it's fun. The best kind of courtroom dramas is where you're just sat there and the two lawyers are trying to convince you as the audience, yeah. aren't they? That, and then you're, you're, you're along for the ride, aren't yeah. you? So you, you're thinking, oh, what? It, it invites it invites audience um, co-participation, doesn't it? I think that's the well, I guess it, appeal it kind, of it. And this movie does that very well. It kind as of well. puts you in the in the seat of the jury, doesn't it? When you watch these movies, you're kind of trying to figure out innocence or guilt. Yeah. Next category: memorabilia from the movie. What memorabilia would you like? Another Don't one. you dare fish! <laughs> no. Enough, you disgusting man! You disgusting. <laughs> Human being, I know what you're thinking there. You little, you want the you little. Uh, uh, no, don't say it. Don't say it, you little slime puppy. It is in a Ziploc bag. <laughs> um, what about the murder weapon? Uh, framed, framed. Yeah, that would be. It'd be a very. That's a. It's a very cool, like niche, because it's quite a unique looking hammer. Isn't it, it is. I was yeah. going to say because it's not just any old hammer. It's a fucking crazy looking weapon. Yeah, if I saw that hammer, I'd be like, I, I'd know it was from this movie now because I've not seen it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Just a mi- also a minor, minor plot hole. How did the police not find that when they searched his house? Agreed, it is a plot yeah. hole and it is deliberate because if they'd found it in the house, the movie's over, right? Yes, yes, pretty this, quickly. This is true. Yeah. I mean, we could have pretended like they searched the house but missed the box. I guess if you really I wanted mean, to. Yeah, maybe the, it, maybe his toolbox was hidden yeah. under a floorboard or whatever. Blah, blah. It was left out in the garden. They just didn't find it. I suppose. Yeah. The next category is weak and strong. Summarizing what's weak in this movie and what is strong. Yeah. So this is one I'm going to sit out and let you guys talk about because. If it's not Harrison Ford, I don't know what it is, or who it is. So well, yeah. So, so on uh, that, be- before we went in to watch this film, you said via WhatsApp, I believe, you just mm-hmm. said, if you do nothing else, I'm paraphrasing, you said, just watch <laughs> Harrison Ford's expressions in this movie and the sort of subtleties in his face. And sure enough, that's what I did. Um, and the end 20 minutes is basically a monologue of... Holly from Die Hard, I forget her fucking name. I'm just calling her Holly now. She's, you know, she's reeling off this monologue, and all Harrison Ford is doing is reacting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty impressive because he starts crying at one point as well, which I think is real. And that is a pretty strong performance, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Also, it's again the time we're in. I think it was a big swing for Harrison Ford to cry twice in this movie. I don't think. Oh, when was the other time? Uh, it's, when he says it wasn't love or whatever, and he, uh, he gets oh, a bit yeah, yeah. crying there. It's like it's. I don't think male actors would actually cry on camera that often or ever in in the nineties. So not like big stars like this as yeah, well. Sure. So I think it was a bit of a swing yeah. for him to do it because it can go horribly wrong. I'm thinking of I'm thinking of Robert De Niro in Goodfellas when he cries when he finds out that Joe Pesci's uh, been killed, yeah. <laughs> and it's. Oh. <laughs> he should have gone back to his trailer for a bit and done another take on that as fantastic an actor as as robert de niro is it's odd when he cries Yeah, it is weird (laughs) in goodfellas (laughs) Um, he he should have gone back to his trailer now i just imagine robert de niro going back to his trailer like fucking leonardo dicaprio in once upon a time in hollywood (laughs) (laughs) kicking off you fucking idiot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. 
I said it before. I mean, I just think the overall sort of technical filmmaking is pretty shit in this movie. Yeah. Uh, mm, but fortunately, the script and the performances pull it through. So. so I'm moving swiftly on. Next category. Remake, sequel, or Paul Feig gender swap. So um, I have a take on this. It is a rare, rare thing in the 90s repeated. But I am for a Paul Feig gender swap. Because <laughs> I was thinking about this. I don't think I've seen this dynamic in a movie or a TV show. Can you imagine? So um, picture the scene, female lawyer, there is a male who she works with who's sleeping around the office. He is murdered and she is accused of doing it and her husband is the jealous one at home knowing that she's had an affair. I was like, I've not seen that play out. And I think it would be interesting. Yeah. And different and yeah. unique, yeah. It'd be interesting how how it would play on the other foot, because I think the the man then, you know, again I'm speaking to my own biases and insecurities. He would come across as very weak, wouldn't he? The husband to have hung around, knowing that she's had the affair and he's at home, and she's investigating the murder of a guy that she had an affair with. You'd just be like, dude, what are you doing? Get the hell out of there! You know, why are you still with this woman? It just plays so But this is what I was saying earlier about getting a female opinion on this movie, you know. Because I'm sure that, you know, a woman watching... Well, you know, anyone watching this film should be thinking the same thing about um, old uh, Holly McLean. Why is you know, Holly McLean staying with yeah, Harrison? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but and, and I think that's the, the, the good thing about the tool of putting the child in there. Because if they were like a childless couple, there would be more reason for her to leave... Uh, so obviously the kid is is what's keeping them together, maybe. Um, but I think you're right, Dave. It would be really cool to see this this the other way around. Um, I, 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 yeah, it's just yeah. more interesting. Uh, you on board with this gender swap? That I'm I proposing? like. Yeah, I wrote. I just wrote down gender swap, and I was like, yeah, I was like, that'd be the most interesting thing. Like you've just covered it, basically. Yeah, they would be. Oh, thanks, Fish. Yeah, 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 it would be. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. So I guess the. Uh, sort of big category is legacy what is the legacy of this film because it sort of feels like it's dead really you don't hear anyone talking about yeah it's dead innocent it's uh it's not in anyone's lists of top films really i would say no i think it's i don't know jim said it's not i think it's it is slow it requires an attention span i just think that like it's i just like you said like the guy the director ghosted like just the pace of the movie is deliberate, shall we say. Mm. It's not action-packed. I just feel like I'd be very surprised if anyone under the age of 30 was like made it through this movie. You'd have to switch your phone off for one. Do you know what I mean? You've got to really <laughs> pay attention to yeah. this one. Yeah. To what's going on. You can't kind of half-watch it. Mm-hmm. But um, it doesn't get brought up in terms of top five Harrison Ford films, but that's because everyone throws in Indiana Jones and Star Wars, don't they? Yeah. So you, and and then and Blade then you Runner. get yeah. the Fugitive and Blade yeah. Runner. Yeah, yeah. I I have to say I'm pleasantly surprised that both you guys like this movie because I was a bit nervous coming into this, going, "Oh God, they're going to hate it. They're going to think it's slow and it's boring." So I was, yeah, I am quite happy that you both had a good time and enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I really liked it. So um, out of ten, what are we going with? I'm going to go with an an eight. Fish. I thought about giving it an eight, but since the twist wasn't a twist. It, it's a seven point five for me. <laughs> I'm I'm giving it a seven just because I think it's solid, but like, uh, and I really enjoy it. But um, 
the last 20 minutes is a, is a 10 out of 10 for me. But yeah, the rest of the movie, I, I, I acknowledge, is not strong for the reasons Jim said as well. It's not technically not a great movie, but like the journey you go on and, and the ending, it ends so strong, yeah. you know, and you leave, you leave the movie with such a, a buzz that it was all worth it. So, yeah. And I think we've all been on a journey here tonight. Thanks for listening to The 90s Repeated. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed making it. If you laughed, cried, or learned something new, then we've done our job. We want to give a shout-out to all our listeners who made it this far. You are the real MVPs. And to those who stopped listening after the first five seconds, we forgive you. We know we're not everyone's cup of tea, but we're pretty sure we're at least someone's shot of tequila. So if you're into podcasts that are... are Equal parts informative and ridiculous. Hit that subscribe button and come along for the ride. And if you want to send us hate mail, please direct it to Dave, who will promptly delete it without us ever seeing it. Thanks again for being a repeater. And until next time, don't call me Junior. <laughs>